Well, here we are again, back at the Conflab with Nate Cartledge, which is me. Hey, I'm so humbled and stoked to have you in this space with me today. Let's tap on in. All right, before we get started, we just want to thank our great friends at Studio 6 Burley on the Gold Coast. They are such a great support to me and the Conflab helping us get this out to you all the time. So if you're a content creator, if you have a a long-term podcast or you're looking to start a podcast or you need a studio for anything, reach out to them at Studio 6 at Burley on the Gold Coast. They are amazing. Thanks again, guys. I think for me today, I'm grateful for being healthy in the present moment and being able to like use my body and my mind and my soul in one direction, like they all they all moving together at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. yeah. That's amazing. We're just going to jump straight in. So, welcome to the Conflab, everyone, or welcome back to the Conflab, all our listeners. Today we've got a special guest, Scott McIntosh. Um, stoked to have you here, mate. I'm not going to do too much of a bio on you because I'd rather you t- talk about yourself. Thank you. Uh, which some people do have a struggle with, which I don't believe we should. And I think we should be able to own who we are. Mm. and from my research on you, you've got no problem in that space. We're just going to jump in. Um, Scott's a pretty incredible young man and got lots of understanding about the human form, and I can't wait to to dig into this. Thank you. So, so just give us a, a brief rundown of, of what you're doing now. At the moment, um, I... And pushing my book. So I wrote a book that took me the last two years. And through the book, I'm trying to like give people an introduction almost like on universal law and how to use universal law to your advantage so that life doesn't seem so uh, random. Like it's not just a bunch of random events. You can give meaning to things. And also in the book, I touch a lot on ritual. So like how to um, turn everyday things into a ritual to give the small moments in life purpose. Because um, I guess, I reckon you'll probably feel this too, but as you get older, you realize that life is the small moments. It's like the 99% of like doing the dishes, driving to work, having a coffee in the sun, like that is life. Yeah. The big milestones, you know, you might have five or ten of those in your life and they come and go, like, yeah. but it's the day-to-day. If you can find meaning in the day-to-day and be happy in your day-to-day, I believe that's, like, a life of quality. Yeah. Uh, what is, then, what is the universal law you're talking about? I talk about and the can, uni- we have a, can we have a quick look at your book? Yeah, for sure. This is the book. It's called Our Daily Purpose. Ah, oh, that's awesome. So what is this universal law that you're So doing? I think after I read a book named The Kybalion, yeah. it's kind of based off ancient Egyptian philosophy um, by the Hermetics, and it talks about seven universal principles that govern the world, okay. govern the universe, such as cause and effect, yep. as above, so below, the principle of gender, so you have like masculine and feminine in everything. Yeah. Um, polarity, polarity is amazing. So, um, I think when you can understand principles that everything's governed by, you can start to see 
a deeper meaning and live a life more of responsibility rather than victimhood. Mm. So, for example, one is rhythm. I think when you're going through tough times in life, when you understand the universal principle of rhythm, that the tides go in, the tides go out, the sun comes up, the sun goes down, you just realize that, hey, man, I'm not something special. Like a hard time is nothing. It's just the rhythm in life. I'll be up and then, you know, maybe a few months later I'll be down, but that's cool. That's just the universal principle of rhythm. So what it does is it alleviates a lot of mental suffering because you can just understand that there's laws. And then to confirm that law, you can say, well, why am I suffering? Let's go into the law of cause and effect. Yeah. And then you realize that all your actions have an effect. So that alleviates suffering too because now you're responsible. So it sounds a bit mathematically calculated, but I think once you understand it, it actually simplifies life and puts it in your hands. Yeah, we were chatting before we started and we were talking a little bit about the fact of letting go and it sounds very much like like Mm. the resistance to the laws is what causes so much of a struggle in, in a being. 100% 100% it does. So it's just it's just releasing go, well, there's cause and effect. But explain the one above and below. The principle is above, so below is... Above, so below. Yeah, very similar as, as within, so without. So I believe your body speaks your mind, okay? So as within your organs, for example, when you feel something on an emotional level, it affects the physical body. So that is how you confirm as within, so without. As above, so below. You have ecosystems that are living below the ground and then you have us, we live above the ground and then above us is a different realm, possibly angelic realm. And I believe that as things are operating here, things operate underneath. So you have a hierarchy, you have people doing jobs, you have things that have to happen at a certain time. So that principle is really cool because for me, it helps me to have faith in something higher, mm-hmm. but it also helps me to respect something that's lower uh, and just realize that I am just a small part of that big picture. Yeah. So yeah, That's beautiful. I love that. I love mm. that as above, as below. Mm. So understanding that we're all beings. Yeah. However, we are programmed in society to create an identity around what we do. Mm-hmm. So understanding that, who is Scott? Mm. I don't, it's, it's hard. It's the identity that I have built my ego around or my egoic construct is generally in the Western world is defined by what you do for a living. Mm. So what I do for a living is I model. I also do the book, and I also work at my mate's store a couple of days a week. But that's not your identity. That's not really who Scott is. That's, that's, that's not my identity. That's, my, um, that's what I do in this world. That's yeah. what I'd be labelled as. So someone would say, Scotty, you're a model, yeah. or Scotty, you're a this. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess that's how we identify people in this world. Like you say, um, i got a mate. He's a footy player. I got a mate, he's a chippy. Yeah. You know, I got a mate who's a concreter. Oh, I'm a concreter also. 
So I feel like in the Western world, our identity is closely closely linked by what we get paid for. So if I was to ask you on that different level of being, yeah, because for me, I would much prefer not to know you as a concreter, mm. but I would much prefer to connect with your energy of your being, like who, because I think that's how love's transferred. I think that's how mm. compassion, empathy, and those things are transferred. So I can't love you as a concreter, but I can love there's a part of you. So if I was to go, Righto, you've got a being, you've got a doing, because we're not really human doings, we're human beings. Mm. But I want to know this Scott being. Yeah. So I guess who I am on an emotional level is I'd say I'm someone who's very interested in people. I'm very interested in the workings of the mind. I definitely feel closely connected to my heart and I feel like I live my life from my heart space. So that definitely helps to deconstruct the egoic layers that the world puts on me. And I always think it's an injustice, like you said, to almost put someone in a box according to what they do for a living. Yeah. Because um even living in Byron, some of the most profound things I've ever be ever heard have been from homeless people. Mm. Yeah. And um I think everyone's got something to teach you. And sometimes people giving you the best lessons, they're not even conscious that they're giving you the best lessons. No. So the being has more to do with teaching us than mm. and that's all around us. So and that's why I ask, I ask that question of nearly every guest I have is, yeah. is because of, of the connection that we can form from a being level rather than a doing level where we're taught in society. Mm. I was only sharing this with Dr. Arnie yesterday when we were recording down there that on the surf coast of Australia, which is the south coast of Australia, there's all these trees that their trunks are straight but their branches and their leaves hit the ground. Are you talking about the south coast, like in Victoria? The surf coast of South Yeah, yeah down the that's south. That's where I'm from. Okay. I'm from Torquay. So, did you see any of those? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. heaps. Yeah, so yeah. they're all shaped by the wind. Yeah, it's so crazy. Or shaped by the environment. Yeah. And I see that why I asked this question is because we are so shaped by society and the environment to remove our being and add our doing, depending on the culture we grew up in, the place we grew up in. Mm. Like, I noticed that you grew up in. Uh, a J-Dub family and I grew up in a Pentecostal Christian family and they had a lot to do with shaping a lot of things mm. that I had to deconstruct to really find God. 100%. So that's why I asked that question is go, society shapes us. Yeah. What have you done to find out who you really are? Mm, that's a tricky question. What have I done? I've, I've done so much. I feel like what pushed me to find out who I really was, was suffering. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think I consciously walked out and said, I want to find out who I am. I think through through suffering, through through leaving a religion, through leaving a marriage, through having to start a whole life outside a small little world that I'd been in my whole life, it led me on a path of self-discovery and consciously I didn't choose that, but I was almost pushed into it. A part of my soul chose that path. And on that path, 
I started to try and find out who I was outside of society. And I think that journey never ends. I think you just keep finding layers to yourself every year that goes by, but you only find those layers if you're willing to open yourself up to a deeper self. You know, some people, they stay at that same layer Mm -hmm. because I think every layer that you peel off, there comes a certain amount of pain and suffering with that. Yeah. So we were chatting about that too, like allowing the suffering rather than avoiding the suffering. You know, we get uncomfortable when we see someone suffer. So we want to actually make them feel better. So we say all this bullshit around that, Mm. whether it's anecdotally or or whatever it is. Mm. We say stupid things sometimes because we get uncomfortable when people are suffering. There's still a human part to it. We care. Yeah. So suffering is such an important key. Yeah. So was it was, was there a catalyst that pushed you um, in, into that place of leaving? Yeah, I a, think a, a marriage, a, a, a religion. You left the church. You, yeah, there was a whole there was a whole life that I left behind. I think for a couple of years, I always feel like religion keeps you learning about the past while having a hope for the future. So what it does is it's always bringing you out of the present. So yeah. you're reading always about the past and what the Israelites did, what the Romans did, and then you're always hoping for a better future and you're never living in the present moment or never creating from the present moment. And I think for me, I started like questioning things and I started realizing that if my religion was the truth or if what I was learning was the truth, why is everyone so fearful of questioning it? Because the truth doesn't get threatened by questions. Like if I drove here this morning and someone says to me, where were you this morning? And I said, I was driving to Burley. No matter how many times they ask me or how many different questions they ask, the truth can't be threatened because it is the truth. truth yeah. And I always felt a sense of threat if I wanted to look into any other type of religious text or if I had a question, the amount of fear that would come up around their truth being questioned was not normal. And that's when you realize, like, I I think you have an element of truth because I believe every religious organization has an element of truth. But claiming you have the whole truth but then living in complete fear of that truth being questioned it really shines the light on fear, which is, I believe fear is actually the opposite emotion to love. And if someone is fearful, to me, it just, it just puts, it puts a a dampener on it. So that was one of the things that started pushing me out the door. But then, um, so you're quite curious about I've always is, is been curious. Yeah. Is this the truth? Yeah. But at, at the same time, I lived most of my life completely happy with the version of truth that I was told. And to this day, I still think um, Jehovah's Witnesses live an amazing type of godly, clean type of life where they live a life of like honesty and um, they uphold the law and they don't vote or get involved in political things. And I think all those things are admirable. But now leaving, I also see the other side of how paralyzed they are with fear. Yeah. And 
but yeah, no hard feelings. I, I have so much love for so many people, mm. um, in that organization and yeah, it's just, it just wasn't for me anymore. I'm pretty well the same, Scotty. I'm still involved in a faith organization. Yeah. I won't put myself into, um, the day to day of it mm. for a long time. What I've found though, what sparked my curiosity, and it sounds very much similar, is as soon as the eyes were open, I could see the conformity. Yeah. That brought the, it was come from fear that you yeah. must conform to this set of rules. Yeah. Rather than the transformation that can happen. And we were chatting about the liminal space, which is the space in between in a rite of passage. Yeah. And that's where transformation actually happens. Yeah. So my view of a lot of the, I agree. I think most faiths are amazing and beautiful. Yeah. When there's conformity involved, it could be run by Hitler then. Yeah. Well, or, you know, something worse, you know. The Jehovah's Witnesses, like, for example, um, like you said, every faith is beautiful, but it gets to the point that you can't help the congregation if you have stubble on your face, mm. for example. And then what you start to realize is, in what way, shape or form does me having stubble on my face eliminate me being able to deliver some love and a kind message from God? Mm. And then the answer is, well, that's just what we do. Yeah. But when something's not based on like a biblical teaching or a biblical principle, then you start to get to the point where you say, how much of this conformity is being put on by a group of men and how much of this conformity is actually backed by religious teachings. Yeah. And when Jesus came to earth, I believe Jesus is the ultimate masculine archetype. He did away with all the rules and regulations that the, um, that the Jews and the Pharisees would put on their people, mm. and he covered them with the law of love. Mm. But I believe as a religious organization, if you keep getting caught up in picky little things, you can start to burden the people and crush their unique personalities. And then what you do is instead of bringing them together, it starts to divide families. <sighs> so I have seen a lot of division mm. and people not talking to their own sons and their own brothers and their own daughters because the religious organization has told them that the loving thing to do is to cut someone off and that will help them repent. Mm. But when Jesus Christ was on earth, his whole life was built on compassion and love. And to me, I think you're better off to leave God as the ultimate judge mm. and all you do is just show love, yeah. worry about him doing the judging. It's not up to us. Mm. So that was one thing that didn't sit with me. It was the same thing for me, it, exactly the same thing for me. I, I studied a fair bit. Uh, I actually have done most of my cert for in, in theology. and Yeah. But the, the thing that really caught me out was what well historically and as Jesus died on the cross yeah historically the the curtain in the temple which stops the people reaching the holy place which that's the representation of it anyway yeah 
And it's it was a foot thick, 12 inches thick, that was torn in two when he ascended. Right? Yes. And the, the commentary that I've heard, and it's so true, that it didn't take long for the Pharisees to sit you back together. No, 100%. To, to disassociate people with God from God. Yes. And, and what you were saying about what Jesus did when he came and, and he lived by love and compassion, there was something like 600 and, 616 or 678 laws that they had established as people should live by. Yes. And Jesus came and squashed them all with two. Yeah. And they were both based around love and compassion. 100%. Love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty simple. So we, we were talking before also, well, you were saying something also before about the journey of life and it's like understanding and leaning into suffering. And I heard, I've heard you on a previous podcast talk about suffering and the need for it. Mm. And I like, I think even, and forgive me, I'm, I'm not trying to say it's wrong, but I like we, we lean into the word suffering. We say it a lot, but I look more of it as a, the journey of life, the messy journey of life. Yeah, for sure. And without, without going and leaning into it, we, yeah. we're not going to grow. Nah, for sure. And I think that was also a big thing for me with the faith community as well is like, you don't need to suffer. Let 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 Jesus take the wheel, which was rubbish, you know. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Jesus said, like, if you follow me, I can only promise you a torture stake. <laughs> so, like, even following Jesus, He never gave you a guarantee that you wouldn't suffer. But the reason you do follow a higher source is so that you can have some type of thing to cling to through your suffering. Yeah. So yeah. it's like an aid. Yeah. But. I don't think God ever eliminates or removes you from suffering because often what you appear as the worst thing that is and could possibly happen to you is ultimately the biggest gift. Yeah. So it takes a certain level of awareness to distinguish what's suffering and what's growth and I believe they're they're very linked together so not wanting yourself to suffer is a very small look at mm. at at life, yeah. Mm, very immature. And also what suffering did I put on myself? Yeah, of course. That brings victimhood, you know, the this you know, the suffering yeah. can either bring victimhood or it can happen to us or it can happen for us or it can happen to us for us. Yes. You know, so I agree. <laughs> yeah. What is high high vibrational living? For me, I believe high vibrational living is moving through the earth and through your life in a positive state of frequency. So just say you have like emotional states of being on a scale from one to a hundred and you have things like sadness, guilt, lust, shame, probably sitting at the bottom of the scale. And then as you creep up towards the middle, you have emotions such as courage, such as acceptance. And then as you get towards the top end of the scale you have like bliss enlightenment joy love happiness kindness empathy i believe high vibrational living is almost moving about through the world and operating in a state or states of those higher emotions as much as possible okay and i believe it takes daily action to keep yourself in those states mm. But from my experience, if I can operate in a highly vibrational state, I start to draw people, places, and things that match my vibration. Okay. 
and I start to live on a on a flow state, like on a on a spiritual path. And um, when I've been in the best places, I feel like mentally, I feel like I start to get opportunities, and that's financial, that's spiritual, that's physical. My body, my mind, and my soul start to align with people, places, and things that match where I'm at, mm-hmm. and you start to get on a roll. And I also believe I've also been in places where, and this is the universal principle of polarity where it happens the other way too. that negative emotion, that self hate, it starts to bring people, places and things that match your vibrational state. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to be aware, not of what others are doing to you or what you, you feel the world is doing to you, but what you're projecting on the world. Mm -hmm because I believe your inner reality creates your outer experience. So for me, I don't really try and concern myself with what's going on on the news or what's going on in everyone else's life. I just try and concern myself with myself. Yeah. And I know that that will create my experience on yeah. this planet. Maintain that, trying to stay in that higher, yeah. higher vibrational. And that doesn't but, mean that I don't have bad days no, or I don't no. suffer. Like I feel like, principle of polarity too is like i feel like i've experienced such states of bliss and such states of like interconnectedness and now because i have moments of not feeling like that i can also swing back the other way and i can also um this is the paradox of the world i can also see like the pointlessness in everything Mm. how like I really want a successful business, but at the same time, I understand it doesn't matter. I really love spending time with my family, but as I'm spending time with them, my mind's also saying, one day I'm going to have to say bye to you. Yeah, right. I experience immense love and gratitude when I'm working out and running, but I also lay there in bed sometimes and just experience like complete darkness. So I think the further you tip into the scale of the light, you also open yourself up to further dipping into the scale of the darkness so mm. you can experience both extremes. Mm. Mm. But um, I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, it's necessary, isn't it? Yeah. But the work is staying in the right place. Yes. And so what does that look like for you on a daily basis? Yeah, that's a good question and that's probably the um, the most common question I get asked when I talk to people on Zoom or something. People say, well, it all sounds good and proper, but how do I actually do that? Mm. And for me, it always starts Mm. off with waking up and getting my mind in the right place, irrespective of if I feel like it or not. And what I try and do is I try not to think of myself as being my emotions I like to think of myself more as like a machine and some people think that sounds disconnected, but what it's helped me to do is I actually realize I'm not that special and my body's not that complex. All I need to do is if I get up, hydrate, get in the sun, go and move my body, go have a cold ocean swim and maybe I try every morning to catch up with one of my mates and have a coffee and I just realized that all I need to do is do those things and it's going to put me in a good place. And I try not to think of myself as being that special that I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing this today. It's not going to work today. It's like, it is. Yeah. 
It's hormones. <laughs> Just do what you got to do and you're going to be in a good state. So yeah. that's how I do it. Consistency. Just consistency. And then what happens is when I start that morning right, it just kind of like, it has a knock-on effect. And, you know, I don't hit every day. I don't hit the nail on the head every day, but I'd say I'm hitting, you know, like five out of seven days, I'm I'm feeling good and I'm doing well. Yeah. Like everyone, I have feelings of self-doubt, unworthiness, lack of confidence. Mm. They come and go, but I just try not to follow them too much. I like what you said about we are not we, like treat yourself like a machine. You're yeah. not your emotions, yeah, so nah. don't answer to them that way. So treat yourself in that manner. Yeah. I have a little experience that happened to me on Tuesday. I ride a scooter everywhere. That's how I get around, Epic. especially in Burley. It's the only way to get around in Park. Burley yeah. Park. And I actually didn't follow my morning rhythm, so I call them a rhythm myself everyone has their own language around it yeah some people it's routine for you it's it's your way you operate yeah and a good friend of ours geordie chenery he he starts his at night before he goes to bed yeah so he goes to bed the same way he wants to wake up and then that's his rhythm yeah and i have a certain rhythm that i follow every day when i get up and go through my process yeah on tuesday i didn't and i found myself for some reason in a bit of a hurry state yeah. And I had an accident off my scooter. Oh, no. And, you know, whatever happened, no one else was injured, just my ego. Yeah. <laughs> just a bit of embarrassment. But yeah. it's a it's a, a very, very good example of when we don't find ourselves in our rhythm, we actually become not present. Yeah. And we can't see the things that could happen. Yeah. I'm quite sure. Actually, I'm not quite sure. I'm 100% convinced that if I'd have followed my rhythm that morning, I wouldn't have had that accident. Yeah. And we call it, a, that was an accident. Yeah. But so many other things come along in our day. Yeah. And because we don't operate in our consistency. Yeah. Which I've heard you say this about consistency, but I also call, I call consistency a superpower. Yeah, it is. And it's just adding the 1% every day and, yeah. and just trying to be the best you can. Yeah. And knowing that, you're not going to get every day right, and that that's okay. Don't hang shit on yourself for it. Yeah. Don't yeah. Don't hang yourself on the clothesline just because you didn't get it right. Yeah, because that would be following your emotions. Following your emotions, yeah. You just got to just. You're not your. It emotions. is what it is. I know? love that. Yeah, you're yeah. not your emotions. Treat yourself yeah. like a machine. Get up and do the same thing every day. Yeah, I like the one before going to bed because before you go to bed, like. It's really good to program the subconscious mind before you go to sleep because you're about to go into a state of like yeah. unawareness, which is probably the deepest state of consciousness or unconsciousness that you'll be in. Mm. So I definitely believe getting some stuff done before bed is good. Like I, I try and write down the night before what I want to get the next day. I actually learned from an old boy I used to work with like when I was like 16 he actually told me this and I still do it every day. He goes, just write down two to three things a day. And he goes, never overwhelm yourself. Just do two to three things a day. And if you do that, you do, you know, 21 things a week. He goes, if you do 21 things a week, then, you know, you're up 80 things a month wow. and then at the end of the year. And that might be send one email for me. It might be like make one real, but if I load that day up and say, I need to run, I need to go to the gym, I need to sauna, I need to make a reel, what happens is you start to like almost set yourself up for failure. Yeah. 
and you burn out and then you think that your day has to be almost measured by the amount of things that you've got done. And I did used to be like that. Like mm-hmm. I used to measure my day and the success of my day according to how many things got done. But I'm trying to now measure my day on the amount of presence that I have through the day. So if I don't get much done according to the world, but I know that I've been really present, I haven't been on my phone, I've been conscious when I've been eating my meal, present when I'm cooking, present with my partner, present with my friends, I feel like that's such a successful day because it's like you lived the day in your body, not in your mind. Mm. When you're running around ticking off a checklist, you are living in your head the whole day. You're living in the future. Mm. Um, So I think all of us need to like pull it back a little bit and do less and experience more. Mm. And rather than going for like a breadth of experience, go for depth of experience. Yeah, that's great. So like have one really meaningful coffee and one really amazing one hour in the sun on the beach listening to your favorite music and then disconnect rather than having a breadth of experience where maybe you see five friends, you do four workouts, do whatever you do, but you haven't gone deep into it. Yeah, I'm starting to try and like, pull back and yeah. just try and go for the depth. And yeah. I think it's fulfilling me a lot more. Yeah. I, I love your take on being present and how important that is. Yeah. Like in that moment where rather than, because doing the million things in a day, it, you know, we might feel fulfilled because we've been busy, but we've been busy doing really nothing. Yeah. If we haven't been present. And like exactly. being present is the most important thing. Yeah. Like I work with my daughter and my wife and I know that it's it's so important for me to be able to listen to them properly and I'm not going to listen mm. properly, even to my guests like yourself. I'm not going to listen to you properly and get the most maximum I can from you for me and also for my listeners Yeah, if I'm not here present right now, if I yeah, can't. Fully. So I think it's been another thing I think society has taken away from from us is with all the stimulus, with all, yeah. the, all the things out there and telling us that we need to have bigger houses, better cars, more money, bigger boats. And that's okay. That's It's okay to have that. But on the journey, be present with everything. Our experiences are our people. 100%. And it's proven that like more people are killing themselves than ever. Mm-hmm. So the way we're doing life, it's proof in the pudding that it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So chasing the bigger houses and the cars it it's proven that it doesn't bring happiness because so many rich people, so many people with lots of things are unhappy and some people with nothing are happy. So Yeah, like you were saying before, the, some, you, you learn more from some of the homeless people. Yeah, and it's funny because I've – I think I've – I've had a good relationship with having things and not having things. I've gone through periods of my life where I've had every material possession I've wanted. I've had a beautiful house, a couple of nice AMG Mercedes and things like that. And then a few years ago, I was just sleeping in the spare room at mum's house with $100. But I think for me, when you just get what your core values are, like for me, I have some non-negotiables and that's like organic fruit and veg filtered water and movement. And I feel like when I have those three things, 
I'm happy. And mm. even when I've been at my poorest, I could always afford those things. Mm. I think once you work out what really makes you happy, you can chase the material possessions, but because you know what really makes you happy, you realize the material possessions are just going to be cool, but they're not really going to change your life that much. Yeah. Like um, for me, if I'm going surfing in my van or, I don't know, a Ferrari, um, it'd be nice to be in a, in, a, in a fast car and cruising around, but at the same time, I'm still only using it to get to what really makes me happy. The surfing. Yeah, the surfing. So I think just once you work out, you know, what makes you vibe and what makes you feel good, yeah, go for your material possessions, but just have an understanding that they're not really going to change your life. Stay in alignment with who you- who you are. Yeah, exactly. I think personally what drives us to get material possessions is what we think other people will think about us if we have them. So Comparison. Like if I always ask myself, I'm like, would I wear this if no one would see me wearing this? And would this be the car I want to drive if no one was else was on the planet? Wow. So I think when you realize like, Am I doing this for me? It's a simple question, but you can wake up every morning and ask yourself, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And bring a lot of awareness to your life. And yeah, that's such a, such a good way of looking at materialism, really, is being able to ask yourself that question. Yeah. Uh, if, would I wear this if no one else was looking? Would I have this house if nobody else was on the planet? Would I drive this car? Would I wear. You know, because the first really, and I don't think it's a universal law, I don't think, I don't know, but the first thing we need to do is be in tune with ourselves. Yeah, know thyself. Know thyself. Yeah. Know thyself. And look, I love the idea of leadership. I'm a big leadership nut. But what I've really understood about leadership, which is so diverse and different the way that people think. People yeah. think of as a leader as someone who stands in front of a lot of people or has a lot of people following them or, or whatever. Yeah. I believe it's quite opposite. Yeah. I believe it's a real leader is someone who has the ability to influence others to do what they don't believe they can. Yeah. And not by seeing that happen. Yeah. By by being the influence. Yeah. And to do that you first got to know yourself and you've got to lead yourself well. You know, mm. in those processes, like you say, yeah, um, your habit stack or your rhythm or whatever it is in your day and you do that well and you'll influence others to be their best selves. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's processes in life and I think it kind of goes like first you see, then you think about it and then you want it and then you do it, then you become it yeah, and then you are it. And you are it. Yeah. And I think like I speak to a lot of young men And I say, oh, like, what do you want to do? And a lot of young men want to coach other men in, like, kind of masculine circles. But it's like, man, you're not in a successful relationship. You're not physically in shape. You don't control your emotions. You live your life governed more on feminine principles. And you don't need to worry about leading men yet all you do is become that man and then people will start following you that's why i believe there's so many courses in this world and people are making so much money because 
humans are under the illusion that you can pay your way to an archetype mm. or pay your way to a person. But when you're in a group of boys, especially if you're in a group of boys who are like pretty alpha, doesn't matter who's done the course. It's just an emotional thing. People know who's doing it and who's not doing it. So I think in life, forget about what you want to be called or what you want your title to be and just become that person and you'll be appointed by the people. So Yeah, that's a great point. I really do love what you said about the stages. Yeah. The, and there's a stage where become it. Yeah. And I think exactly what you said, there's a lot of people standing on the fringe of becoming it who probably don't have the discipline or the endurance to become it. Yeah. But it's not until you become it that you are it. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's what you said then was almost like a universal law. There's almost like these stages. If you want to change, then don't be afraid to change. Yeah, exactly. If, and if you want to change, don't be afraid to get hurt. Don't be afraid to suffer. Don't be afraid to have your ego bruised. Don't be afraid to get naked and ashamed. Like, Don't be afraid to stand yeah. and look at yourself and go, hey, this is what needs to change about me. I'm okay, but yeah. this is what needs to change. Yeah, no, fully. But the stage of become it, and that's what I notice. There's courses built by people who don't have the maturity or the wisdom, and that doesn't mean age at, at all. Yeah, no. That means experience and suffering. Yeah, no, I agree. But become it, and then then you are it. Like, and there's still a lot of people in the become it stage who are still trying to become it, but they're becoming it mm. rather than letting go and knowing that you are it. Yeah, and I feel like um, anyone trying to be that type of or be that type of person or become become that person and be in that place of leadership. Oftentimes what you think that masculine leader looks like, he's kind of like a ripped dude with tattoos and I don't know, he's just got it all together yeah. like physically, but really that archetype of the leader is actually a family man who goes to work every single day yeah. and his whole life has nothing to do with him. So he does something he dislikes in order to provide something for his family. Mm -hmm. So I think the archetype that all the men are searching for is actually right in front of them. Yeah. And it's normally just their dad, the mm -hmm. one who doesn't have an Instagram account, the one who's not getting praised or doing tribal ceremonies, the one who hasn't, they have suffered for their family and they have suffered and almost lost a piece of themselves in order to see their wife and kids living a better life than they did. And I think for men, I can't speak on women because I'm not a woman, but I feel like for men that is in the modern changing world, I think you should bring yourself back and say just to be that man is enough. Yeah. And if you can be that man as a base, but then start to bring in some conscious awareness and some some discipline and looking after yourself, which a lot of the older generation did neglect. Mm. But be that family man, live that self-sacrificing life while also creating some time for yourself. I don't really know how you can beat almost that yeah. mixture. They're the giants, aren't they? Yeah. That's such a beautiful way to put it that we, we do. We do look for the heroes with, you know, 
with all of the bits and pieces, but really yeah. they're the men who have been willing to get blood on their hands for the sake of others. Yeah, exactly. I, I love the explanations of a dangerous man that Jordan Peterson puts out there. Yeah. They're, they're not necessarily the guys that we particularly look up to in society, but they're also not the guys that society is also portraying in some political or um, organisational leadership roles. They're the guys who are probably in the trenches. and Exactly. That's why politics, like I've never voted in my life and that was a religious thing. But now that I've left the religion, I'd still never vote because I don't believe any of those men in those suits have any ever done really anything worth being admired for or they're really good with their tongues. Like they know what to say, but. So are lizards. Yeah. And, but I just think if I vote for them, what I'm all essentially saying is if I put you into power, you're going to have some impact on my life for good or worse. Mm. And I just say you have irrelevance in my life. My life is governed by my purpose and God's will. I don't give a shit who is prime minister or who is in power because they're irrelevant to my life. I'm creating my own destiny. So that's what I think the trap is too with getting caught up with any type of role model or mm. leader. Mm. You start to palm off a little bit of your responsibility to mm. someone. Yeah, don't put people on podiums that don't deserve them. No, nah, don't. Really don't. Like, and that, that's up to us. Yeah. I mean, they can get voted in anyway, but – it's yeah. up to our choice of who we put on a podium in our life. Yeah, 100%. And all the men that I know that I've wanted to shape myself off have, have said, don't put me on a podium, stand on my shoulders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I said, the people will nominate who's the leader. Yeah. Like people know you don't need to go out and seek it. How did you reconstruct your mindset or have you? I think I reconstruct my mindset every day. I think I'm a very like open person. Like, for example, even in the way I eat, I've been vegetarian. I went vegan for five years. I've also tried like a carnivore diet. I feel like I reconstruct my mind through my personal experience and then I try and mash them all up and pick the best things out of each one and um, understand them in my own unique way. For example, I believe eating vegan is the ultimate way to almost like a a clarity of mind because okay. I believe that like you're eating, you're eating like light foods. They're like energetic foods, but then maybe you get to a point in your life where you're like, I need to function as an earthly human. I want to go to the gym and I want to gain muscle and I want to have energy to put into a business. And I believe eating flesh for flesh is pretty bang for your buck. Okay. I, I believe you have to do what you have to do according to where your moral alignment lies at that period of time in your life. Right. So you, you reconstruct that every day. You go like, okay, well, this is what I need. Yeah. What Scott needs for today to be the best yeah. I can be for this circumstance. So this is what I'm going to do. Exactly. And I, I tend to be a person who hits too, like, too much of the extremes. So the last year I've tried to kind of like pull myself back a little bit and just said like, I don't need to be carnivore or vegan or vegetarian or anything. I'm just going to eat intuitively on the day and do what feels right. I think for me, finding that like balance and seeing the truth in everyone's argument 
has allowed me to be almost set free from the constructive belief systems of any type of diet or religion or way of living. Yeah. And um I love it. Yeah, when I you really do. the more you're on this planet, you you start to see well, I start to see myself as very similar rather than different from everyone. Mm-hmm. For example, as a Christian, if you really delve into the Quran, for example, you'll really see that Christians and Muslims, we just have so much in common. Mm-hmm. And then when you break down the pillars of love and and worship and discipline and moral cleanliness, and religious people have so much in common, but what people like to do is if they don't completely understand something, they like to divide. Yeah. And the same thing goes with all the different diets. Like really at the end of the day, everyone who's pursuing some type of diet is trying to better their health. So instead of like finding like all the differences, it's just like, man, you do you and good on you for doing what you feel is best for you in this moment of your life. Yeah. And move on. You don't need to, because um, you don't understand something, hate on everything someone else is doing because it's not yours. Yeah. It's it, just silly. It's perfectly said too because we like to identify, like you said it pretty, you said it pretty spot on and I look at it and go, we want to identify with something. Yeah, we do. Rather yeah. than really identify with who we are. Exactly. And we were talking about that with the way that society shapes us. You know, we're born with 400 different psychological traits. Mm. That's how we're born. Wow. But by the time we're, maybe in our 20s, we've suppressed so many of those emotions that we may end up with depression. Yes. Or, or and we get shaped like the surf coast, the trees on the surf coast in the south of Australia to become something we're not. Yeah. And all of a sudden we're identifying as a white, Christian, Australian, heterosexual or homosexual or whatever. Yeah. Rather than going, hang on, I'm human being created incredibly to experience life at its fullest yeah that's my identity not i went to this school and i do this for a living and i eat this food and you're all bad because this is the right way and that's why exactly what you just said all those constructive egoic layers that's why psychedelics can be so amazing yeah because maybe someone does some psychedelics and for the first time in their life they realize who am i and that they the walls start to collapse and they realize they're more than those things. And for some people that can be com- completely freeing, mm. but for some people that can be really scary. I can understand that. And you can really realize like, wow, everything I thought I was is just some made up story that I tell myself and that can, yeah, that can freak people out. But I think for me, I really got out of it was like, wow. I'm so much more than I've been told and I can be so much more than I am. Wow. That's the polarity. So of you the- just you just have been on a purification process through some psychedelics. Yeah, definitely. Just I've, recently or I've done psychedelics for maybe four to five years and I don't I actually don't do them often, but intuitively sometimes I'll feel like, you know what, I need to do some magic mushrooms and I'll take some and you know, sometimes the trip can be like emotionally confronting and you can have a few tears. And But I feel like for me, every time I do them, the depth of the darkness gets less and less okay. because it's like once you 
have a big trip and you almost have a complete ego death where you realize, man, I'm actually nothing. Like all I am is just a little speck of dust and you realize you're not that special. There's not really any darker to go than that. And then on the other end of that, you just realize, well, wow, how lucky am I just to be here? And I'm actually everything. I am the universe experiencing itself through only the way that Scott can, like the way my toes hit the floor, the way I feel loved, the way I see the color of a flower, the way I taste food. No one else in the world will ever experience what I have. So in a way, you're also everything, but you're nothing. And I think just once you come to that realization, for me, I just felt freed. I was just like, wow, nothing matters and it all does matter, but don't stress it too much either way. Just try and do the best you can in the time that you've got and try and create the most pleasant experience for myself and others. Mm. That's kind of all I can do. And so you were saying that, the mushrooms, the trip that you go on, it exposes the darkness. For me, yeah, it definitely does. It probably does quite for everyone. That's something that most people are afraid of. And we've got a world that I think there's seven people, seven men take their life every day. Yeah, so sad. Because of the darkness that overtakes them rather than confronting it through what maybe the activity of exposing themselves to psychedelics or yeah. getting around people that can be truly vulnerable and truly themselves. Because that's that's – what you're basically saying is like you're taking magic mushrooms and you're digging out the worst parts of Scott to go, I'm going to expose this to myself, which I cannot see. Yeah, well, I'm but opening up my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm opening up the layers of my mind which, which wouldn't be opened, mm. just operating in like a nine-to-five conscious state. Mm. You're allowing like levels to be unlocked almost. But it's hard because I don't necessarily think – Darkness or dark emotions are, are not bad in a way. They're just part of it. Yeah. It's like um, all of us have felt lust. All of us have felt shame and guilt and jealousy and all those dark Hate emotions. And, exactly. Yeah. And what you do is it's like once you just realize they're a part of the human experience and I don't need to keep them suppressed, they only have power while you're using energy to keep them hidden. But the moment you stop resisting what they are, they have no power. Oh, wow, that's great. And it's exactly like when two people are pushing against each other, there's a charge. But the moment one just steps out the way and allows it to pass, no energy is being spared. That's great, Scott. That really is great because that's how to remove the power of anger and, or remove the prison of lust. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they, they become prisons because we ignore them. Yeah, they do. Rather than let them go and go, thank you. And that's what I always say to people when they say, I could never live a spiritual religious life. It's too strict. And what I always say to people is that actually in the discipline there's freedom. And that's a principle because if you have all the freedom but you don't have the discipline to really choose because you're actually a slave to your desire, then you're not free at all. Yeah. Whereas like if you're in a relationship and you come across someone beautiful and they just tick all the boxes and you you just click with them, if you don't have almost 
belief systems or a code put into place, you could be a slave to that emotion in that time and go and do something that you may regret. So what you think is freedom is actually slavery because you can't control yourself. And what that does is that brings in the next principle of cause and effect. And now you've put things into play which you will probably suffer for Mm. that if you had the discipline, you wouldn't get yourself into those situations. Mm. I.e. the sufferings we choose. Exactly. And which we do. I, I couldn't have heard it put more beautifully than the way you've just done about the freedom of slavery or the slavery of freedom, what yeah. we would perceive as freedom, but it's really it is. we're a slave to our own desires, we're a slave to our own emotions rather than having discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing years ago a diagram of of fencing and how freedom's really in, in amongst fenced fenced areas Yeah, where without fences there is no freedom really. People think it is, but it's not. You see it in the world, like the morality in the world is like it's so loose and you can do whatever you want and it's like... And especially now. Exactly. It's like, for example, like like girls, every single girl has an OnlyFans account, all right? Every single guy clicks on them. Every single guy can do what they want. They can all go on Tinder. You can do You can do whatever you want. It's like... With a world with more freedom than ever, why is there more shit relationships than ever? There's more miserable young people than ever and there's more people killing themselves. It's like you don't need more freedom. You don't need more choice. And as that principle, like as above, so below and polarity, you actually see it in the smallest things like Netflix. It's like in Netflix, it happens to me and my partner too. You sit on the bed. And you're like, all right, let's watch a movie. We got some time together. There's so much choice that you can't even choose <laughs> and you actually get choice paralysis. Choice paralysis. Okay. Back in the day, you have like a movie on at 8.30 and you make that work. Yeah. And that's like relationships. It's like now there is so much choice and people have a plethora of options and it's so unnatural because you're actually not interacting with who should actually be in your physical space. Mm. You're interacting with people that you should actually never even come across. Yeah. And what happens is like all that freedom and all that choice just causes like a paralysis of the experience. Yeah. So it's like an inoculation. It is. You become inoculated to the feelings, the good feelings that you're after. Yeah. And the drug becomes the habit. Exactly. It's just I I remember seeing a science uh, thing where – where they were talking about habits. Yeah. And they would pop mice into a maze. Yeah. And the trigger would be a ding. Yeah. So then it was the mice would have to find its way through the maze to, to the chocolate. Yeah, wow. And so for the first couple of times, the mice would ding, off it goes to, and then it would eventually find the chocolate. Yeah. Then eventually, ding, they, they would be at the chocolate within half a second. Yeah. So the habit became that. Then all of a sudden, after a few, they took the chocolate away. Ding, the mice would still go to where the chocolate was. Yeah. Ding, the mice would still go to the chocolate was. No chocolate, no reward. Yeah. So eventually the same habit created over and over with the trigger of you can have what you want. The habit becomes that and yeah. there's still no reward. You're inoculated nah. to it. Thanks for being a young man who you are who you are 
and standing up and saying that sort of stuff because it's very inspiring for me to hear from what I see in the world. Like I do the best I can to make sure I maintain myself, yeah. look after me first, but I worry about the effects, especially I'm now I've got a grandson who's two, yeah. and I worry about the effects of where this world is going. And we need more leaders like yourself, Scott, who actually call this shit out for mm. what it is. And that, that was really, you know, fantastic to hear. What's your mission? I think my mission is to... Outside just being you. Yeah, I actually did a workshop on this the other day in Barcelona. I was in Barcelona Mm. a few days ago. and um, I saw the – so you went over there for a wedding? Yeah, we went over for one of my best mate's wedding and we had a ball. It looked like an amazing trip. Oh, it was was next level. And um, I got invited to a workshop from another mate and a young girl from WA ran it. Kind of like identifying your purpose through – what your parents didn't accomplish. It's oh. kind of from the Celestine prophecy. So we yeah. went through this whole process of writing down what fills our cup and what drains our cup. And then the process went to take your father into your mind and write down all the qualities that you feel have been the most consistent in your life. So I wrote down like, for example, with my dad, for some reason I just wrote Jesus. And then I wrote love. And I wrote the word rely because I know I can always rely on my dad. Like I could call him at any time in the night and it's just no questions asked, whatever I need. And then I wrote down my mum, and I was like, what is the qualities of my mum?" And I'm like, she's like an angel and my mum heals. My mum's a healer. Like, so I know mum heals me through the studies that she does. And then I was like, all right. The next part of the thing is, how would my dad have been a better version of himself? And then that went to what I wrote down for my dad was self-love. So he needs to learn to love himself and acceptance of love. And it was like, I just see my dad not being able to love himself. And then for my mum, I was like, what's my mum saying? I'm like, she has self-love. I'm like, my mum needs to trust more, like trust in in the process of life. So then my journey or my purpose through that was I need to heal people. That's my journey in this life through my love and my understanding of the spiritual world. And I need to allow others to do the same for me because my dad won't. Mm. I need to learn to love myself unconditionally But the only way I'm going to accomplish my mission is if I fully trust in it because that's what my mum was lacking. So in short, after that exercise, it really resonated with me that my purpose on this earth is to heal people with my love and completely trust that I have the the ability to do it through love for myself. Wow. That sounds like it should be everyone's purpose. Yeah. Makes me a little emotional, actually. Yeah, I have this belief about purpose that we are the purpose. Yeah. And you sure. just explain that. Yeah. You are the purpose. Yeah. And and your mission is to believe that you are the purpose because when you're actually fully operating in alignment with that, yeah, then the cause and effect will will be an incredible ripple. Yeah. That starts as a ripple but just echoes into a hundred percent. Yeah. I also try and understand that. 
not everything's about me. And I, I was one day tripping in the bush and I had these words come over me and it was said to me that I can only become everything that I want because of everything that I'm not. And what I realized was like, if I want to become a certain man, I actually understand within myself that I don't possess all the qualities to be the man that I want to be, but I can be that man because of everything that I'm not. And what I'm not is a higher source coming through me. So mm. if I can get out of my own way, out of your own way yeah. and actually just allow myself to be a channel rather than it be the Scotty show, but help this thing to come through me and understand that I am actually nothing. But the deeper I allow myself to be governed by a higher source, that is how I'm actually going to become everything I am. Not just because of who I am now, because I'm actually nothing, but we can be something if we allow ourselves to be used as a channel. Yeah. And then you're working outside of your ego. You're working with like spirit, which I believe is like your higher source or your higher self. You are the purpose. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Beautiful. Mate, your book. So where can people get this? So you can get it and, on and our can website. I just say, can I just say before about that? Yeah. Can you write more? Yeah, I'm actually writing more at the moment. I, I love writing and I, I want to keep doing it and, my first one, like already reading it, I'm like, I could do, I could do it better. So you read this, like you've got, a, you know, each day has got a different word sort of thing, trust, chance, being alone. And yep. what I've noticed, what I've noticed by watching you um, is that you journal from one of those things every day. Yeah. So I'll open up to a random page and how I actually came up with the concept for the book was, you know, how people have like those little Oracle cards or cards they wake up in the morning and they like they read one I actually picked them up and I was like oh they're really cool I like it like it'll say you are the universe or you are pure love and I'm like that's cool but like how do I like put this into my day Mm. so what I did was I'm like I want to write a little book that like gives you some prompt but then it actually gives you a task to do throughout the day yeah that's awesome I love it it's fantastic yeah it's really simple it's um it's easy to read and I feel like it's a little bit of an introduction into um, spirituality and, and cause and effect and just living a highly vibrational life. Living that high vibrational life. Mate, I've loved having you on Thank the podcast you. and I, I don't believe from what you've said, uh, this will be the last time that we connect and yeah, and maybe sure. we'll bring all our gear down to Byron one day and do something down there with, with our little studio. That'd be epic because I'm um, – Honestly, I'm only a byproduct of the people I surround myself with and I've got some um I've got some amazing mates that um that no one's ever heard speak and the stuff they have to say That'd be cool. would blow your mind. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like my mind being blown by younger men with great wisdom. It's yeah. it's an awesome thing for a a guy like me to have in my world. So I got something funny to say. <laughs> and I think our producer's gonna know this. We say that we're the byproduct of the of the people in our world. Yeah. But it's just something funny. And because you're not just a byproduct of the people in the world, you've actually put the work in. Mm. And I say, people will say, I've become the five people we'll most hang out with. 
Yeah. But just because you go and park yourself, put yourself in a car park, won't turn you into a fucking car. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> you actually I have to that. adapt all of the little features. So having yeah, cool people in your world, and like it's the same. We were talking about that earlier. It's the same. You you hang out, if you've got the low frequency vibrations in those bad things and you hang out with that, you're going to become it, you know. Yeah. So, so well, well we, done. Some advice, Scott, for you, before we pack this up. For other people? Yeah. Just for the listeners, just for people who are tuning in. And for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say I'll only give people the advice that I give myself on the daily. Don't be too hard on yourself. Try and if you, because I believe most of us in our world at the moment, we live with some type of um, some type of anxiety. And I'd say anxiety is living in the future and depression's living in the past. Yeah, that's exactly right. Don't try and like fix all your problems. You just being here is enough. Mm. And I believe no one's, ex- no one's existence is random. So don't feel that you need to be some big superstar. Just being you is enough. And like everyone is so unconditionally loved. And just the fact that we all get to be here and have a chance at living is enough. And just just do your best. And that might look different on every day. But um, yeah, just send yourself some love and just do your best. That's That's what I try and do. Just being here is enough. You know, the probability around someone living, 400 million, that was one yeah. small one. There's bigger than that. But yeah, just being here is enough. Nothing's random. Nothing. Nothing. Random. Yeah. Love it. Thank you, Nathan. Hey, thank you for your time today. But more importantly, mate, thank you so much for the light you're shining. Thank you. Shine it brighter, brother. I'm glad. Thanks, man. That was the end of another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe, as this will help me get my message out to more people. If you've heard anything today that has resonated with you, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Nath Cartledge. All the other ways to contact me will be in the show notes. I'd love to chat and hear your thoughts. Can't wait to Conflab next week.